to chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Now, obviously from the sermon title, it's Ask, Seek, and Knock. The Sermon on the Mount we've already seen, um, we've already seen Jesus talk about prayer. Prayer is vital. In fact, our uh, Sunday school class after this is going to talk about prayer along with some meditation that they did earlier this week, and I hope they did it. But anyway, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has already mentioned prayer. Prayer should be central to the life of the believer. And so Jesus hits it here. Uh, in Matthew 6, 5, he said, don't pray like the Pharisees. Remember, they stood in their robes and they made grandiose prayers and they only did that to draw attention to themselves. So Jesus said, what I want you to do is go into your storeroom. We talked about that as a little storeroom. You go in and they, they would have seen everything that God had provided for them and they were to pray in secret. Now I get it. Sometimes we have to pray in church and everybody hears that. But in our own daily lives, prayer is a secret event between us and God. And then he delivered what right after that in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, he talked about the disciples prayer. I know we've always called it the Lord's prayer, but I refer to the I like the term the disciples prayer because this is how we're supposed to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's how we focus in on God and exalt Him. And then Jesus tells us immediately following that, these are the things that you should pray for. So Jesus has mentioned prayer already in the Sermon on the Mount. But you know what? As I went back over it this week and I, I just looked at the whole context of the Sermon on the Mount, which starts in Matthew chapter 5 and runs through the chapter 7, one verse stood out, which I think summarizes the entire Sermon on the Mount, and we preached on it just a couple of weeks ago. It's this verse, Matthew 6.33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. At the end of our text today, it says that God will give us good things. And of course, Luke uses the Holy Spirit, and I'll, I'll deal with that briefly. But the fact is, I think if we focused on the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then our prayer life would come along too. So what does Jesus teach us today? And I think that's, you know, when I do these outlines, I try to put them in two simple sentences. And I think what we learn from Jesus here today is pray continually to God. That shouldn't shatter us or because it's you see these Ask, seek, and knock. There is this idea of diligence. But notice what Jesus says here. Ask, and it will be given to you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. There's three imperatives here. Um, the first imperative is the word ask. It's in the present tense. And what he says, couplet with this, is in the future tense. Itello means to plead with urgency. It means that we go before God 
and we make our pleas urgently to Him. It's not just a passive type of prayer. It is an urgent, diligent type of prayer. God, this is what I need in my life. I need this. And there's a sense of urgency. Now, the future tense here is the Greek word didomi. We've seen this word before, and it means to he will give you something of value. Now, let me say this. Within the context, there are times when we pray to God, and it seems that that prayer is unanswered. You say, well, Pastor, I've asked God, and He's not given me anything. That's not exactly true because of this context, and we'll get into that in just, just a few minutes. I remember Pastor Dan, he's since gone home to be with the Lord. When I was uh, pastoring in uh, Moments near Kankakee, Pastor Dan, we would get together on Tuesday mornings. All of us pastors take Monday off uh, because, you know, we're tired from work on our only day of the week, which is Sunday. <laughs> um, we would meet together in front of his church, and then we'd go up. And Pastor Dan had this uh, spiral stair step up to a small room. Yeah, on the on the wall there was a poster which read "Make War on the Floor." And he had this. The room was carpeted, and he had this. The room was kind of like this, and they had like a step where you could. Kneel down like this, put your elbows on the, the bench there, and you could pray to God. It's amazing. It is amazing. Some of the prayers that I heard, and, and Pastor Dan was so passionate about prayer. And I think that's contained in this word, itello. It means to ask and it will be given. We'll get into the promises in just a minute. But secondly, you have the word seek. And that word is zeto, which means to diligently pursue the location of something. So it's, it's something uh, that seems to be elusive, but you are going to try to find this. And I find it interesting later in this text of how the words change, which actually promotes this word here, zeto. And you will find, urisco, which means to learn the location of something. So as you are diligently praying to God, if there is no answer, then you go to seeking and you begin asking God, where can I go to get this or how can I get this in my life? The third, and by, by the way, urisco, you will find is also future. In the present tense, we are asking and we are seeking. Both of events will take place at some point in the future. We don't know when. It's not given. It's just this is what, what you're praying. This is what you will find. And then the third imperative. The third imperative is the word crua, which is knock. And it means to signal one's presence to somebody inside a room. Now, I don't know if Jesus connected this to the storeroom prayer or to the kingdom prayer. I would prefer the kingdom prayer because you are knocking. Back in the day when I was an E4 in the army, uh, I probably shared this before. It's not unusual for me to share something two or three times. But I remember going before the E5 board, which is the sergeant board. It's a promotion board. 
And I was watching the guys go in, and they all knocked on the door. And what you had in the door was you had the command, they were all seated on a table, and there was a command sergeant major, and there were four first sergeants. My first sergeant was in there too. And I remember I was a little jacked up. It means I was really pumped to go in. And this is how I did it. I banged on the door. And the command sergeant major said, come in. And I walked up in front of him and I stood and I said, Sergeant Fraser, I didn't say Sergeant Fraser, Corporal Fraser reports to the board. And then I took, he said, you may be seated. And they began asking me questions and I began answering those questions. The thing is, I knocked on the door and they gave me entry. I did very well on the board. I did get promoted. Here's, here's the issue. Jesus says right here, knock and it will be opened. Anoigo, which means understood. Again, in the future tense. You may be praying diligently. You may be seeking diligently. You may, you may be knocking on the door about anything that's going on in your life, although I think Jesus is talking about something else in light of the verses that follow. But the fact is, God wants us to be diligent in our prayer life. You can't expect to get an answer to something if you go, well, you know, God, it's Tuesday, and I'm going to pray about this, and then three weeks later you go, oh yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray about that thing again. Now, the issue here is diligence. The issue is diligence. It's to continually go before the Father and make requests to Him. Stuart Weber, um, he writes this, there is no need to distinguish the different kinds of activities between ask, seek, and knock. I would agree with that to a certain point. Jesus was probably using the three verbs to refer to an activity of petitioning the Father. His use of the three different verbs added emphasis to his message. This is point on. The three-pronged approach, together with the fact that all three verbs are in the present tense, conveys a clear picture of persistence in prayer. Just a thought. If we're not persistent, Do we really think that we could expect to get something from God? God's a good God. That's true. But Jesus told his disciples, could you not wait and pray for one hour? But you fell asleep. So I think it's when your kid really wants something. I remember when I was a kid, it was a Monday night football game. It was a, uh, that was back in the day. It was a, a little football field and it lit up when you selected the plays and I bugged my mom and I bugged my mom and I bugged my mom and finally, I got it. And actually, it was at Christmas time and I feel guilty doing this, but I searched the house and I found the Monday night game under her bed, had not been wrapped, and I was excited because I dropped so many hints to her over a two-month period this is what I wanted for Christmas. And I got it. Now there's two ways to interpret what I just read. One is in a general sense, in any type of prayer, which could be used that way too. But a second one is possibly for the daily needs of life. 
listen. Matthew 6, 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will put on your body. And then he goes into a rather lengthy section. Does not God take care of the birds of the air? Does not God clothe the, clothe the, the field with beautiful array of flowers? God will take care of our needs. I think in light of the larger context, he's talking here primarily about our daily needs. But there are promises. There are promises that are given. Look at verse 8. For everyone who asks receives, and to the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. The word receive, lombano, which means to take possession of something. So to everyone, which is generic, the, the Greek word there is pos, it refers to anyone. And I think here specifically as we're thinking about it, it really refers to those who are born again, those who have trusted Christ. For every Christian who asks, receives. That's kind of general. And then he, he talks here about the one. You notice the change there? For everyone who ask, receive, and to the one. That's a that's a that's a grammatical change. Is it let me let me float something here. Is it possible? Is it possible the reason that we don't have is because we do not continually ask God for it. Now there are some some things that we need to be careful of. There are times we may not be praying in God's will. And God will give us exactly what we ask for. And it may not be a good thing. You may have to learn from the hard knocks of life. I shouldn't have, shouldn't have asked for that. But the one who, who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, there's a definite change there. From everyone to specific. And, and that word literally means he or she. It's generic. Or it. You are praying for something. So you have this you have this idea of a general prayer, which God will give you. And and by by the way, a no answer is an answer to prayer. You pray for something, you don't get it eventually. And I can't tell you how to make the distinction between when I should stop praying. That's something that you develop between you and God. You just continue to pray for it. In our Sunday school class today, I'm going to talk about what four things are needed to determine if God wants you to have it. But that's for the Sunday school class. Let me give you an illustration. You, you know here that this is set in a parent-child relationship. So, you have a child who asks the mother for something. I think this is a pretty simple, easy illustration to understand. This is a one-on-one -on -one relationship. Simply talking to the mom, mom, I'd like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, whatever it may be. But let's say the mother is out of the room. Well, then that child will seek where the mom is to try to find out 
where the mother is so he can ask a question. And I think the issue here is not the thing that is prayed for. The issue is seeking God and His kingdom and His righteousness. Well, if the, if you can't, if the child can't find, uh, the parent, then that child will go to the room and they will knock on the door. I saw mom go in there, so I'm going to go knock on the door. You know, much, much can be learned from children. You know that? Much can be learned from children. I get such a kick when my grandkids are here and Leah asks to pray. Her prayer goes something like this, and I'm not making fun of my granddaughter. I love her. She goes something like this. Dear Lord, thank you for Mommy and Daddy and Poppy and Nana and for our puppy. And then she begins to veer off into a lot of different things. And I'll look at her and she'll do this while she's praying. She's looking around to see if everybody else has their head bowed. But you know what? That's the essence of prayer. That's the essence of prayer. Prayer should be simple. It shouldn't be complicated. It shouldn't be exaggerated. That's what the Pharisees did. Jesus condemned them from that. You're not doing this to show. You're doing this to know. And when you get in close with God, you talk to Him. Paul calls Him our Abba Father, our Daddy. And you can talk to God. That's what prayer is. Prayer in its basic root form is talking to God. God, I'm hurt. God, I feel sad. We're, we're children. And by, by the way, no matter how smart we think we are, our minds are like that compared to the vastness of God. God just wants to know our heart. <laughs> and I think it's, it's a good illustration of, of a child with a parent which is exactly what we get ready to go into in just a minute. Well, let me say this. There's no time frame on any of this. Jesus doesn't say in one month, in one week, in one hour, you will know. The issue here is that we're to be continually talking to God. One pastor said, it's like the man that spent his whole life praying to God continually, and when he died and went to heaven, he said, as I was saying, It's that type of relationship. If you don't have and I don't have a continual prayer life, when I bugged the heck out of my mom, I got that toy. Now, the reason that we pray continually to God is because He is good. God is good. says it. Questions, anytime Jesus asks or frames a question, it's for the person to think about and to ponder and to consider. So let's look at this. Or which one of you, if he has a son-parent relationship, child-parent relationship, or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him stone? I, I found this on the internet, this is a pretty good illustration. On the top you have bread, 
by the way, that's loaded with calories. I can just tell you. <laughs> my VA, uh, I might have a sliver of that, but it's, it's loaded with, with calories. But on the bottom, you have bread that looks exactly like it. Think of it this way. If your child asks you for something in the way of food, you're going to give them that, right? You're not going to withhold that food. You're not going to give them, oh, here, you have this instead. No. Jesus knows the human relationship. Which one of you has a son would ask for bread, would give him a stone? Verse 9. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. This is a comb fish. It's called a comb fish in English. This would have been the type of fish that Jesus was referring to in the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus is now sitting, which all rabbis sat when they taught, when they taught. And he would say, or which one of you, if you had a son who asked you for bread, you can hear his voice reverberating throughout, would give him a stone. That's kind of the, the intent here. Jesus knew the fish there. This is a typical fish in Galilee, particularly the Sea of Galilee. Now this snake, this is an actual picture of the snake that I think Jesus is referring to based on Scripture. This is a Palestinian viper. And the word for that is opis, which is the word that is used here. This viper is poisonous. It would have been in the area. And by the way, if that thing bites you, you've got very little time. It will kill you. So, when he says, or which one of you would ask for a fish which is nourishing, would your parent turn around and give you something that would harm you? It's common sense. You do for your kids. Donald Hagner, in his commentary, the request here involves food. And this enables us to conclude that the requests in this passage are not requests for miraculous, for the miraculous, but requests for the necessities of life. Totally agree with that. So what went before ask, seek, and knock is in line with what Jesus is talking about, the daily necessities of life. Not just food and water and shelter, but other things, necessity of life. Lord, help me be a better employee. Help me not cheat my employer. Help me to give my best when I get to work. Father, use me uh, for your kingdom today. Give me an opportunity just to share the gospel with somebody. These are all kingdom things. It's a projection. But we're not, and he goes on and he adds, uh, round stones look like loaves of bread, which is true. A snake can resemble a fish, and some scorpions can apparently be egg-like uh, in shape, which Luke mentions. The point is, in these specific items, however, but in a faith, no, the point is not in the specific items, but in the faithful provisions made by human parents. If your child or grandchild asks you for something to eat, you give it to them. You want to try to give them healthy things. 
But then Jesus does a comparison. You can call it contrast too. Look at verse 11. If you then, who are evil, if you then, who are evil, there had been no salvation at this point. Surely the kingdom of God was in Jesus Christ and he would eventually go to the cross. You have to remember that there was no salvation at this point. And that those that would come later in life would read this and, and realize, wow, there's something going on here. If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give you good things to those who ask Him? The word evil here is paneros. We've seen it before. It refers to an immoral or sinful person. So, Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount says, if then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give you good gifts? I like what John Stott said in his commentary. Notice that Jesus here assumes, even asserts, the inherent sinfulness of the human nature. That's true. At the same time, he does not deny that bad men are capable of doing good. They're still evil. They're still sinful. But they're able to do good. On the contrary, evil parents give good gifts to their children. That's a, I mean, unless you wind up in some type of situation where the parents are just, they're not able to function. Most parents, and I bet you within the sound of my voice this morning, most of you love your kids and you will give them whatever they need. Sometimes we give them more than they need. That, that can be problematic too. But you love your kids and you will do the best for them. I can pretty well say that with everybody in this, in this church today. But you know what? Even lost people give their kids good things. Did you know that? I came across this. I love that little girl's smile. Got that present. She's so happy. Lost people do that. Lost people can do good things, but it doesn't remove the fact that they're evil, that they're sinful. This is kind of harsh. Yeah, and this is the whole thing about salvation. Good people do not go to heaven. Only saved people go to heaven. And you may have a wonderful next door neighbor, loves their kids, loves their wife. Uh, they, they do all these good things, but at the end of the day, they're not going to heaven based on their goodness. If that was the case, Jesus did not have to come. Then, he mentions here agathos, which is good things, which means nice, of good value, or generous. Now, I like what Donald Hagner said in his commentary. Well, I must have taken it off. But anyway, notice James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift from above coming down from the heavenly Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Here, Jesus compares a sinful parent 
to God, who is our Father. I want you to think about the gifts that you have in your life. I want you to think about everything. I think about it too. Every good thing that God has given you. And a good means pleasant. All of us are benefactors of God's grace, right? He's given us a lot. You think about your life. If you're working, if you have a home, if you have food, if you have a vehicle, boy, brothers and sisters, you are blessed beyond belief. And so the prayer, praying continually, has within it the, the thought of praising God. When was the last time we thanked God for what we had? James, every good and perfect gift from above coming down from the Father of lights. Every gift that you have is a blessing. Donald Hagner, in, in his commentary, he wrote something this. He said he believed it was either the eschatological age or the daily life. And I think here, although Luke mentions uh, that he'll give the Holy Spirit to those who ask, Luke may have had a different oral tradition, but the issue here is to focus on the kingdom of God and God will take care of your daily needs. And that's good. Those are, those are good things. Here's, here's what we need to do. First of all, we need to pray continually. Philippians 4.6 Do not be anxious about anything. You all could probably quote this as I'm reading it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. God doesn't need flowery prayers. What God wants to hear is heartfelt prayers. After all, all the fancy words in the world just to say, God, I'm really hurting. Oh Lord, you are... No, it's a, it's a simple, direct prayer. God, I'm hurting. Go back and look at Psalms. David says it. Oh Lord, how long? He's sharing his heart. Simple prayers. Simple, Lord, I'm hurting. Lord, I need this. Lord, I need your help here. Just keep it simple and do it over and over and over again. And keep pushing. Keep asking. You notice, there, if you're doing this, if, if you're doing this, and you're continually asking God, you know what you're really doing? You're, you're, you're really giving God the problem. You think about that. It's heavy on you, but really what you're asking for is to God to relieve the burden. That way I don't have to be anxious because I know I've given it to God. I continually give it to Him. Paul said I prayed three times. God didn't take it, so I just kept it. And there may be some point in your life when you've prayed, you've prayed, you've prayed, you've prayed, you've prayed, you've prayed, you don't seem to be getting an answer. Well, maybe that is the answer. But you keep going until you feel like, okay, I'm not getting any responses here, so I guess that is the response. 
Jesus doesn't put it in a time frame. It's just present and future. And he doesn't give us guidance just to keep doing it. I think it's part of it is to keep doing it. Keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking. And always be mindful that God gives us good things. 